Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. We are going to do everything we can in this moment to help you and bless you, to enrich you, to uh, to receive something from God. Here's what you have to do. You have to uh, learn to trust and receive. What I'm saying is that my own words, but it's the word of God. And you have to uh, have faith. And as you receive something in your spirit, respond to it. And if you respond to it, you're grasping the word and it's going into good ground. And when you walk out of here, walk in it. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly great flock and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. Now it said, it ate his own food and drank from his own cup and laid in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. How many of you have a pet that's just like a human being to you? This little lamb was special to the owner. And a traveler came to the rich man's house, but he ref- who refused to take from him his own flock and, and from his own herd to repair one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. So he didn't want to take from his own stock. He, the guy was hungry, but he didn't want to feed him from his own flock. So what he did was he took the poor man's lamb. He prepared it for the man who came in to him. And so David became angry was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, this is David talking now. He heard the story. He said, as the Lord lives, full of authority, angry, vengeance, as the Lord lives. The man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb that uh, that he had taken because he did the thing and because he had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Wow. I mean, right in the heart. <laughs> you are the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you to be king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives unto your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If that had been too little, I would have also given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do the evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and I have taken the wife of Uriah the, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives therefore before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. You shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. Now, if you ever wondered why David went through what he went through and he was very humble about the approach when his sons turned against him this is why David remembered this was the judgment that came upon me but at the end of the day this David also knew the prophet said for what you did in secret you did it in secretly 
You did it secretly, but I will do this before all the Israel, before the sun. In other words, you did this in secret, but I'm going to allow this to happen openly. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Probably the best thing he, he, he could have said was, I did it. I'm guilty. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also shall put away your sin. Because you said that, because you admitted it, your sin is done away with, and you shall not die. And you shall not die. And that was the balance to David when he knew all these, all of this trouble was coming up against him in his life. He had a word from God, the mercy of God in his life. I don't know the state of mind that David was in when he allowed those things to creep in and allowed himself to do that. But a merciful God, before the dispensation of grace was ever established for you and I, a merciful God came in and said, I see your heart. You really, really are sorry about this. I forgive you. I forgive you. You have to deal with the consequences, but I forgive you, and you're not going to die. And thus we have the story of David, the greatest king that had ever lived outside of Solomon, his son. A man after God's own heart was blessed and saved and delivered. I have to be quite honest with you what I feel Christmas is really all about. I really feel like Christmas is about the fact that Jesus, now we understand uh, December 25th is not the actual date, we know this, but it's the day that we have chosen to celebrate the birth of Christ. But we also understand that if he had he not come into the world, you and I would have never, ever been given a chance. Christmas is about the birth of our Savior who released mercy into the world to deliver us from our sin. Our true enemy was ourself. And the faster we can realize this, you, let me tell you something. The devil has no power over you. The world has no power over you. None. And when you know you've got a Savior who can heal you, save you, deliver you, help you, strengthen you, and forgive you, there is nothing in this world you can't face and God can't get you through. Nothing. Let's thank God for giving us the Christ in our life. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Father, thank you for the birth of Christ. Thank you for sending away. Thank you for making a way for us, Father, in this world. You came to save us from our sins, save us and deliver us from our enemies. But Lord, give us a heart, give us a mind to recognize it and to be humble and to stay broken in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen. Give God one more hand clap. Turn to your neighbor, your neighbor, give them the subtitle for today's message, and tell them Christ works through brokenness. And you can be seated. God bless you. Oh, I got 20 minutes. Okay, here we go. 20 minutes for me, 20 more minutes for the Holy Ghost. Here we go. 
I know with all of my heart that, that Christ was broken in this world so he could heal us from our brokenness. Christ was broken so he could allow what was inside of him to be dispersed and to be given. When brokenness comes into your life, you have to recognize that you can comply or you can repel. Most of us will run away from trouble. Most of us don't want to deal with uneasiness. Most of us go through life and we're just trying to avoid every conflict or maybe every problem, every struggle, every, every challenge in our life, but that's not the will of God. You're going to find that as a new Christian or a Christian that you've been, you know, maybe you've been living for God for years, a number of years, but you always come to a place where you recognize that the struggles in your life do nothing more than make you stronger. After a struggle or after you face challenges in your life, you're going to recognize that through the struggle, through the challenge, or through the temptation, one thing always happens. If you will recognize how to approach God when we fail in our situations and times of temptation, if you'll learn how to fall on Christ, the trouble won't fall on you. So Christ, the gift of Christ, was given to us in the form of a child. And when Jesus walked on this earth, he did more than just exist. He came to give light. But the only way he could give that light was to be broken. At first, it wasn't something that was imputed into him or given to him by humanity, the world, through the crucifixion. At first, he actually fasted, humbled himself, and gave himself. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That was the intent. Jesus was the light of the world. So when he walked in this world that was dark, what does that mean that it was dark? Well, what it means is, is that the world was void of the understanding and the conviction and the understanding who God was and didn't live and follow his commandments. Jesus came to shed light on the subject, and that's what he does for you and I. When you and I are in dark places, we don't have a, a, a full understanding what to do. We don't have full direction. We need wisdom. We, we need knowledge. We need direction because that's most of our challenge. If you knew what to do for your challenge right now, whether you're facing a sickness, whether you're going through a financial struggle, whether you're going through a relational struggle, if you're going through a conflict, whatever it may be, if you knew exactly what to do, you would do it. Amen? I mean, if you knew exactly what to do, you would act on it so God can bless it. Either stop it, remove it, deliver you from it, whatever it might be. Well, that's what Christ does. Christ allows light to be brought forth in our life. Again, John chapter 9, verse 5 says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as he is in the world, here's the good news. He was in the world, but the world received him not. His own received him not. 
But as many as received him, according to 1 John, as many as received him, to them he became the son of God, and he became the light unto them. Not by the will of man, not by the will of the flesh, but by God. And so the light that Christ had was given to you and I through his spirit. And as long as we walk and walk as he walks, and as long as we can remain open and not live with pride in our life, because here's a good point, and here's something to remember. Pride restricts light, but humility allows it to shine. Pride restricts life, light, power, but humility allows it to shine. So brokenness, brokenness can mean a lot of things to us. It may imply a messiness or an imperfection in your life. It may mean just to have your heart broken. It may be a physical weakness, an illness. A sickness can cause you to be humble and broken. I thank God for every time I had challenges like this. I thank God every time I have a struggle because I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I understand, and you should understand that your challenge in the moment and what you're facing right now, I don't know who I'm talking to, but whatever you're facing right now was never meant to kill you, but to make you stronger, wiser, more faithful. Only because you've got Christ in your life. But you see, the problem is that many times that we have this trouble and we have this brokenness sometimes in this nice put-together package. And you all look nice today. Mama, you look good in that hat today. I like that little red hat you got on back there. (laughs) I think everybody has problems, but I think everyone, a lot of us know how to cover them up. Put on a smile. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, the Hawaiian laid back thing. this nice little package. But I want to talk about specifically being broken before the Lord. Being broken before God. Because what Christ did by coming into this world can only be released by brokenness. It can only be released by brokenness. Number one, brokenness begins with I. Brokenness begins with with I. The one thing David said was, I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. I mean, that was the smartest thing he could have ever said or come out of his mouth. The worst thing that could have ever happened to him or he could ever do was say, I don't know what you're talking about. Or, well, Someone made me do it. That sounds like Adam, right? She made me do it. Oh, man. Is that what we do sometimes? The faster you can admit, I did it. It's my fault. Well, it wasn't my fault. Well, take the blame anyways because God will bless you for it. It's the truth. 
Did you know when the high priest went into the place of the Holy of Holies and the holy place, did you know the high priest went in to confess the sins of all of Israel? It wasn't just for him and his family. I'm going to tell you, you know, I know that the outcome of Job was, was devastating, and, but Job's situation, some of you will never, ever, none of us will ever, ever experience that. But the one thing you have to look at and take away from the story of Job is that Job had a hedge around his family. You want to know why Job and his children were blessed at that time? I know God released it and allowed some things to happen, but he restored him double-fold afterwards. But here's the secret to Job's life. Job prayed for his children and said, God, I didn't sin today. Uh, if I did, forgive me, but, but my children may have sinned, so I'm going to offer this up to you on behalf of my children. As a parent, I always pray, Father, if my kids are going astray, Father, forgive them. If they did something wrong, Lord, I know they have to pray on their own self, God, but I, I ask you to forgive me, forgive my house. We honor you. And I'm going to tell you something. I've even prayed that prayer every day for you all. Lord Jesus, I know you call me to be an under-shepherd, but if the sheep is doing dumb things today, If so-and-so is going astray again, keep looking forward. Don't look around. Forgive them, God, and have mercy and let the blessings of God still be on the church. Bless their family. Bless their children. Take care of their, their marriage and their jobs. And, and it's all about just someone taking the responsibility to say, it was me. I'm guilty. I'll take the blame for others. I'll do it. That's what God is looking for, a heart. And so he, was say, he said this. Now, you can read Psalms 51. I reference Psalms 51 quite often, but you really need to take a look at the reality of that chapter in 2 Samuel chapter 12 as well. Here's the beauty of brokenness. And, and why then, the scripture says, have you despised the word of the Lord? That's what the prophet said, and done this horrible deed. For you have murdered Uriah and the, Hitt the Hittite and, and with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. In other words, God said, you knew better, but you despised the word. You despised it. In other words, you, you knew it, but you didn't take it to heart. Now, perhaps, perhaps panic arose in David's heart when he realized that Nathan was talking about this secret sin. Because I'm going to tell you lots of times, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth that we think no one knows. We think no one sees and we forget God is everywhere. And because we don't feel him and because we don't hear him does not mean he isn't there. God is there and he will find you out. That's a good father. I'm telling you, he's a good God. He does it for your own good. And some of us kind of, you know, get like, man, I couldn't do anything. <laughs> he says, it's always after me. I don't like being a Christian. I can't do nothing. Maybe it was hard for him in that moment. I'm going to tell you, the king... The king had a prophet, a lowly prophet, 
humble prophet, but bold. Come up to him. Tell him, you did this. I bet you that high and mighty prideful feeling that he had at that moment, I bet you he shrunk in his throne and the crown got bigger and the head got smaller. His crown became too big for him at that moment. Pride has a way of bringing you back to a place of innocence and making your ego go bigger. Pride has a way through brokenness to bringing it back and putting it into check. Helping us realize that I wouldn't have this authority or power or grace in my life had it not been for Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly what he was doing or what was going through his mind. None of us do. All I do know, he came to a place of confession. A place of confession. And we have it. But the conclusion to all that was David said, I'm the one. I'm the one. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 says this. It says, the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of a transgressor is hard. When we choose to go the opposite direction and do what we want to do, because I'm telling you, it is easy to go by your feelings. Oh, man, I'm telling you right now, this flesh is our, it is not, your flesh is not your friend. Your flesh is not your friend. It will give you desires to contradict the Holy Spirit in your life. Your biggest challenge and our biggest challenge is not the devil. Jesus took care of the devil at Calvary and overcame him when he rose up again from the grave. But what you have inside of you is greater than that which is in the world. Repeat after me. Greater is he inside of me than him that's in the world. Say it again out loud. Greater is he in me than he that's in the world. When you look at someone who has really recognized the humility that they need to possess and the approach that they need to take, we see it in someone who cries out to the Lord for mercy. We see it in the life of someone who cries out to the Lord for mercy, who knows that he has no hope outside of who God is. That's the reality of someone who knows how to be broken. And when you allow the brokenness of God to come into your life, then light begins to shine all around you. But the light is hindered by not accepting our responsibility and saying and walking in pride and thinking we have it all together. I do not have it all together. This is me. I have to make a confession. That's me. I cry out to the Lord for mercy every single day. Oh, my God, Pastor Bobby, what are you doing? You know, what are you watching? <laughs> the mercies of the Lord are renewed every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You know why you're here? Because of the mercy of God. That's why you're here today, because of the mercy of God. 
because of the blood of Jesus all along the way. And, and you can see it as well. You see it in someone whose, sins, whose sin has looms largely in their mind, reminding him or her and someone again of his humanity and failure. You'll find brokenness in someone who realizes that it's their flesh, that they're human, they're frail. You'll find this type of humility and brokenness in someone who doesn't judge somebody else through religious attitude, through a religious attitude of thinking that they know everything. A person that tries to take the, the credit for your salvation, a person who says, uh, you know, the experience you have, really, you can have more. Or don't listen to, yeah, don't listen to Pastor Bobby or Caleb or Caleb. <laughs> listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question. Does that guy come to your house and pray for you? Would that guy give you a Bible study? Would that guy feeds you week after week after week after week, pray for your family. You better be careful. You better be careful because I'm telling you that when you realize how frail and how, 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 how human you are, then we have to walk lowly and we gotta be careful who we get advice from in our life. Everyone is human. To be human is to err. Be careful who you get your advices from, who you give your advice from, and who you... You know, you got to realize something, folks. I'm trying to help you because realize something. Everybody fails. Everybody makes mistakes, but Jesus never fails. Jesus is, doesn't make mistakes. You weren't a mistake. You, you're, you're exactly where God needs you to be. And if there's a voice you need to listen to, listen to the only person who is perfect in this world, the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ, the Son of the living God, the anointing. You'll find this type of brokenness in someone whose greatest desire in the moment is just to be clean again, just to be clean again, just to have his or her ugliness erased, just to be pure, just to be forgiven, just to be restored from precious for, for, for the precious relationship and friendship with the Lord by asking the only one capable to accomplish it. Restoration is a huge thing in our lives. A restoration, I believe we need a restoration every single, I'm gonna say day. I'm gonna say day. Did you know, did you know that at Disney, I know. Been watching Imagineering, okay? Just did you know that they will paint all the worn-out fixtures around the park every single night, so they will be fresh the next morning? Isn't that crazy? They'll go around painting everything that was worn, scuffed, and they'll do touch-ups every night to prepare for the guest every day. Did you know that the Spirit of God never sleeps? And did you know that he even heals you and touches you before you go to bed and while you are sleeping? Did you know that God comes into your life to prepare you and repair you 
for the next day, even throughout the day, God says, you know what, it's okay. Have you ever felt the, the hand of God or the Spirit of the Lord come upon you throughout the day just to allow you to whisper and say, Father, I need you today. Jesus, I love you. You know what God is doing? He's just touching up some things in your life. He's keeping you pure. He's keeping you righteous. He's keeping you in his right standing. Aren't you grateful for that? That's what he does. Let me, let me move on. I got to close. We see it in someone who would rather, who would do anything to get back and to the unhindered relationship with the Lord. Again, that he knows he cannot do anything. It's not within his power to right this wrong. We know it takes God. We see it in someone who says this, the sacrifices, oh, you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart, oh God. It's someone who understands that that's what it means to be broken. You see, you don't have to go on a 40-day fast. You don't have to try to, uh, you know, how would I say this? Be careful for your sacrifices and your religious actions to feel like you have to please God. The only thing that pleases God is faith. And when you believe and receive and understand what Christ has done for you, then, then you approach him with humility, then you approach him by faith, and then he's pleased when you believe that his only begotten son's blood was shed for you and I. It pleases God to believe him. It pleases God to receive him. It pleases God for you to act like you believe. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, act like you believe. Act like you believe. Now, point number two and the last thing I'm going to ask you is this. What does God want? What does God want? Why did God send his son into the world? You know, someone asked me about Christmas trees one time. I've had people come into the church and we had a Christmas tree up. We've been doing that for a very long time. And that Christmas tree, I, I don't know what your belief system is or, you know, what your conviction is. I don't know if you abide by Jeremiah chapter 10, but uh, decking the halls of that piece of wood that was found and fastening to the floor in the book of Jeremiah was speaking of an idol, not a Christmas tree. Just for you theologians out there. You know what that tree represents for me? And let me tell you about holidays, by the way. Like we do on Halloween, we, we turn Halloween into Hallelujah Nights. We alter it and take what the devil's trying to do for evil and twist it back around and take it away and put it back in the church the way God intended it to be in our life. In other words, when the devil throws corn at us, we make cornmeal. When the devil throws rice and beans at us, we make... All right, that's what I'm talking about. When the, throw, when the devil throws a rock, we throw it back. Anything he throws at us, we take it, we take it and use it for our good. But a Christmas tree, I've taught my kids and I've told them that like Christ received gifts, so we put gifts from there. Now, don't get mad at me. I've said this before. I heard this on, <laughs> I, heard, I read this on Facebook. Someone said, hey, let your kids believe in Santa Claus. You believe in essential oils. Okay, I'm sorry, because I'd use essential oils. Can you tell? You know? 
I use essential oils. But I taught my kids those presents didn't come from Santa Claus. They came from God blessing mama and daddy. That's where those <laughs> gifts came from. Jesus gave us those gifts. It wasn't a red hat. It was the red blood that gave us those gifts. I'm just being honest with you. So my kids growing up grew up, as, you know, they grew up going to school saying to the whole class and to all the teachers, Santa Claus isn't real. Jesus gave us those gifts. <laughs> Got a note one time, I think, from uh, Caleb's teacher. There's no Santa Claus. That tree, to me, represents the tree that Christ died on. Everything in the lights represent that he is the light of the world. You can believe what you want to, but I choose to take my world and form it to the kingdom, and I choose for my family. Where is that in the Bible? There are some things that are in the Bible, but it's, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. People have asked me so many questions, how you deal with things now in this generation. My thought, and I believe many other people's thoughts, is this. Don't try to shelter your kids and family so much that they don't know how to deal with life, but train them and teach them properly at the house so when they do go out into the world, they'll know how to face those things. But above all things, above all things, teach your children that because of the blood of Jesus, no matter how big you mess up, you can always start over and go to the cross. As long as you stay broken and the light of God will give you understanding and help you find your way back out. What does God want from us? All God wanted from David to the prophet Nathan was repentance saying, I did it. He didn't want, that's why he went to David because God cared. God cares enough about us that he goes to us and comes to us and gives us a chance to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm the one who did it. I'm the reason why we have these problems. I'm the reason why anyone who has ever hid their sin has brought trouble on the whole family. I tell my kids all the time, don't you be the reason for the, for, for, the, for the craziness in this family. If you mess up, you better go to God and ask God to forgive you right away. I'm not going to be mad at you. I told my youngest one, I said, son, as long as you tell me the truth, you won't get, you won't get a whipping. He is telling me so many things now, man. And, I'm, and, and, like, I remember what I said. You won't get in trouble. Shoot. All right. All right. Okay. Can't do anything about it. But there are different levels of, you know, criteria for that, right? Right. But here's the, here's the bottom line. We have to teach grace and mercy. Where are you at today? That's the question. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, he wants spiritual brokenness, the kind of brokenness he can use. He wants godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's all he wants. Out of a desperate heart, out of a heart that grieves, out of a heart that understands, even when, when you're not 
Here's what, here's what forgiveness does. The scripture says, for him that has been forgiven much loves much. How do you stay in brokenness? Well, here's how the light shines in your life. The light is the understanding of God's word being illuminated. The light is when the spirit of God begins to light your heart and your actions follow. You become a light to the world only when you release the spirit of God through the written word. When you have followed and obeyed his commandments, what was the first thing that that Nathan told David? He said, why have you defied the commandments of God? When he defied the commandments of God, darkness came in, and David, that's what happened to David. He was blinded and walked in blindness and walked accordingly. He walked without a conscience and committed these sins. What brought light back into David's life was repentance, obeying God's word, and repenting, saying, I did it, I'm sorry. Therefore, he had light to know how to deal with everything else in his life. He learned his lesson. So what happens is, is that when we receive God's word and follow God's word, the spirit of God can comply with that and work with that, and we release it. Jesus was the light of the world because he taught the kingdom of God. He gave lessons that directed people out of darkness into his light. That's what it was, light, light. Jesus was the light of the world when he released what was on the inside and obeyed the scripture. It says that we, he was wounded for our transgressions, that the Lord heals us. So when he healed somebody, that was light coming into the world to give an understanding that God is the God of Israel, and he saves and he delivers and he sets free. That's the light of God coming into our life. The light of God is whenever you walk in darkness and walk in your world and you give good advice to be a blessing to someone, to help them from stopping and making a bad mistake. God wants to use you. You are the light of the world. But the key to having light continually shining in your life is Psalms 119 and 130. It says, the entrance of your words give what? Light. It gives understanding to the simple. Jesus Christ was born in this world so he can give us what he had, and he gave his word so we can receive it and adopt to it, adapt to it. And it's this simple. And I close with this thought. Come on, Haley. I want the ushers to get ready. As you're seated, Ushers come to the front. They're fixing to distribute the lights. True brokenness is when God's word corrects us. Like the prophet Nathan came to correct David. And we allow, someone say allow. We allow his spirit or light to lead us out of darkness. You want to know how you got here today? By the light. You understand, you get it, you comprehend it. You understand without light, you can't find your way. You understand that when you come and you get God's word and you receive his spirit, that you have understanding. You're a better person, you're a better dad, you're a better mom, you're a better person. Now, don't crack these yet. 
we're doing something different this year. I changed it on the fly because it goes with the sermon. Let me have one. Thank you, Elmo. Before we hit the lights and turn them off, I want to show you something. You know what these are, right? You see, in order for the light to start shining, you have to break what's on the inside. And they'll light up for a while. And I've heard some people tell me, my brothers have told me, hey, if you break them, you want them to last longer, put them in the freezer. I tried it, it didn't work. That's a myth. Yeah, Mythbuster right here. You know what happens when this thing goes out? It turns back to this color. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. I'm going to ask you, I heard a crack. Don't break yours yet. I heard a crack. But here's the message for today. Every year we do a candlelight service, and the whole purpose is to let the light shine. So this year, we want to convey this message to help you really understand how light shines in your life. It comes through brokenness. And you don't have to be broken by something. You can stay broken by being grateful. You see, brokenness, think about this. The term being broken comes from and applies to something that's hard or been hardened. Pride will harden your heart, and it will restrict light from flowing. But humility will keep your spirit and heart soft so God can shine through you and God can work through you. And as long as you walk in humility, I'm going to tell you, if you're dealing with a sickness, if you're dealing with a relational problem, if you're dealing with problems, struggle, if you're under attack spiritually, if you'll learn to walk in gratitude every single day and thank God ahead of time for what you want and what his word says about you, if the word of God says that you are healed because of what he did, then start thanking him ahead of time before you have. And the way you do that is, is that you stay broken before his presence because when you are humble, God becomes more powerful. When you fall down, God stands up. When you kneel, God stands. So it doesn't mean that you walk with some kind of broken spirit and your head hanging down. No, what it means is you walk with an understanding heart of humility and gratitude and you say to yourself, if it hadn't been for the Lord, I wouldn't even be here. It's because of his power in my life that I have what I have. It's because of my understanding that he's giving me that I can grow closer to him. It's because of his power that he defeats every de demon and every devil in my life. You have a clear understanding. But how do you do it? Stand to your feet. Turn off the lights. Here's what we're going to do. I want you right now, everyone in this building, everyone here, turn off all the lights. Everyone here. I want you to think of one area of your life that you need to ask God to forgive you for. 
And when you've done that, you can break this. Then after you've done that, I want you to raise it up high and I want you to say, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And you make a commitment. And you make a commitment and you say, Father, I'm going to let my light shine in this world. I'm going to let my spirit radiate your goodness because you've been good to me. Now let's lift up our voices and make that commitment right now. Do it. Every person here, as they sing, I want you to lift your voice. I want you to just begin to say, Father, let your light shine through my life. If you need to give your life to Jesus right now, then give your life to Jesus because he'll give you life today. He'll give you life. And you do that by saying, Father, forgive me. I've done it my way. And I've done it my way for a long time. But today, I'm going to start doing it your way. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. Do that right now. Everybody here, lift up your hearts and begin to pray and begin to worship and begin to release. Everybody begin to be grateful and give him your heart. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.